0: Guys, before we get started, I do have to give a little editor's note. Upon editing the podcast, I realised that there's an effect on both of me and Simon's voice. It sounds like, well, the effect is called a chorus effect. It sounds like we're in a choir. It's really fucking annoying. I couldn't remove it after the fact. And unfortunately, we did not have the time to do a whole new recording because we had such a good conversation. So I can only preface this and say I apologise. We are aware of the situation. I mean this recording and another woman are two I wish we can re-record and maybe down the line we'll record it or do an extra version because I'm, I'm not happy with it but you know it's a free podcast you live and you learn and we just don't have the time so just warning you guys beforehand we sound a little bit weird vocally I tried to fix it didn't exactly work but I appreciate you listening I appreciate the feedback and most of all I do humbly apologise for the little listening snafu you're going to hear but it was a good conversation anyway and uh, like I said we might record it if you guys really want us to let us know in the comments down below but please don't judge the conversation based on the quality alone, you can hear what we're saying, it just sounds a bit funky so apologies guys and without further ado, let's get on with the show Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Woody Allen Retrospective right here on PlanetTower.com, we're at Simon Rad, the Casa studio for once. Actually, last time we were in the, the Simon Red studio, it was for Wild Man's Blues, that Woody Allen movie. And let me not forget to introduce the man himself, Simon Rad. Thanks for joining me on this one, as always.
1: Yeah, well, it would be funny if you were recording in my house and I wasn't here, you know, I would get suspicious.
0: Yes, Simon, but <laughs> I'm just letting the people know where we are because I'm actually using a different recorder the settings were kind of sensitive. So guys, I do apologise for the audio quality is different from before. I do apologise because I'm not sure how, how loud it's coming in. But let's just get on with the show anyway. Guys, if you were here last time, we actually spoke about 2004's little comedy, tragedy, concept movie, Melinda and Melinda. If you're on YouTube, I'll put a link in the top right corner of the YouTube card, YouTube screen, so you can go back and listen to that discussion. Don't forget, guys, all of these discussions on the Woody Allen movies are part of a retrospective that we actually made a website for, which is called WoodyAllenRetro.com. If you go there, you'll see the playlist with all of our previous recordings. It's pretty cool, pretty awesome. But we're going to move on, guys. These are all spotted discussions. A lot of you guys already know that. <laughs> you guys already know that we don't work for, uh, we don't for Woody Allen. We don't work for Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb <laughs> or no, no other film critic site. We're casuals, and this movie we're getting to is a very special one because apparently, this is what is arguably what is basically accumulatedly from all the critics and fans are like the greatest Woody Allen movie of all See, time. That,
1: don't say that because now, now you're getting into the mistake of overhyping something, and you don't want to taint somebody's perception because this movie.
0: I'm talking about the, repu- the reputation of the movie. I,
1: I know, but I can't really compare a- any other movie. To the experience that you have when you're watching this the first time. Going in knowing nothing. Sure. And you know that's one of the biggest strengths of the film. So what's the film we're talking about in Simon? Give yeah, us a Yeah, that, Let's let stop do. being so mysterious. Go right? what, what, what are you talking about? We're talking about a very special movie. Because this is one that Woody Allen actually likes. Can you believe that? This is a film directed and written by him. That he actually tolerates. He actually says that this movie came out the way he intended to. It's 2005's Match Point, And a lot of people go like, Match Point. I'm used to hearing about, you know, Annie Hall, Manhattan, some of the early comedies, maybe some stuff from the 80s like Hannah and Her Sisters, or name me another one that's so- sort of famous. Manhattan. Yeah, ma- I already said that, motherfucker. Oh, I wasn't listening <laughs> to this. Is... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, apart from that... Husbands are... You know, husbands are wives. Now, and I was
0: going to say, because a direct correlation, which I'll get into right at the end, is obviously Crimes and Misdemeanors, which...
1: I didn't even want to say that. So yeah. you're just fucking up this movie from from the get We're going to
0: get to that, but I know... I'm trying to help you, and you're trying to say I'm being doing a bad job, but continue.
1: Anyway, I will not. I will not dwell on mute points any longer, because... The movie's awesome. It uh, is. If you were following this, Woody was in a, a bit of a snooze period for the past couple of years. You know, kind of on autopilot.
0: The whole 2000s, actually. From 2000, <laughs> since Sweet and Lowdown, people were just like, Woody, we thought you wanted your comedies. You made a couple of comedies. They weren't funny. You yeah. weren't a great leading man. Just stop. Just stop while you're
1: ahead. Well, we liked the uh, Curse of the Jaded Scorpion. But, uh... I mean, we're in the minority on that. (laughs) That is a hated movie. It is, yeah. And this is the comeback. You know, sometimes Woody does this, where he makes movies that are, I guess you could say at best, different or, you know, very watchable. Maybe there's something that specifically appeals to you. But where's that universal greatness, you know, where he really, really lets his talent shine. And this is that film. He's very inspired. I would argue this is one of his best screenplays. If you never heard anything about this movie, I'm hesitant to go into the specific details because like I said in the beginning, watching this movie cold when you don't know what to expect is one of the best experiences you can have in terms of just experiencing a film. I agree. You know, It it just has that unique combination of elements. To put it brief, it starts off as a character study With Chris Wilton, played by Jonathan Reeves Myers, or Mayers, depending on... I don't want to butcher the guy's name, but... I uh, think Myers is the right way. Yeah, who was an up-and-coming actor in the 2000s. I think that's safe to say.
0: Yeah, he had that long-running TV series that was phenomenal with Superman, The Tudors, that King Henry VIII series, which is a magnificent. And honestly, I would highly suspect that's what got him this role because he is definitely channeling some of that energy here.
1: Yeah, and uh, if you're wondering, how does Woody do in casting? You know, he he's in England now. This is, a, I guess, BBC Productions yep. nowadays. Uh, maybe, probably a bunch of licensing agreements. It's a Luxembourgian and British production. But we're in Europe. The story's set in London. And Woody's working with a more limited budget. But let me tell you, the casting is spot on. I mean, hats off to Jonathan rhys Myers. He plays an Irish character who moved to London. And he nails every aspect of this complex character completely. When we see him, he opens up, not even narrating the film, but just talking to himself about tennis. And the whole central theme of the film is luck. In tennis, a match point is the deciding final point, who wins the game. And he's talking about that sometimes when you play tennis, the ball just hits the net, bounces upwards. And for a split second, it can either go forward or backward. And it's just down to luck, which player wins the game. No skill, just luck. And that's a very terrifying thing that a lot of people don't want to admit to themselves. And when we get to know him, we realize he's sort of a tennis pro who played in the pro circuit a bit, but decided it wasn't really for him. He didn't really quite have the talent or the drive to be one of the highest paid players in the world. Mm-hmm. But he's an Irish boy, like I said before. So he used it to better his life. He's ambitious. He's uh, competitive by nature. He wants to make something out of himself. He wants to live a nice life. Moving to London, Woody goes ultra-realistic, and we get a very clear idea of who this guy is. London's represent perfectly. You see him trying to fit in, find an apartment, getting ripped off, getting a really shitty small apartment from insane amounts of money even in 2005 i mean it's 10 times worse now but as somebody i think both of us who live here can testify to it it's a very accurate representation of somebody moving to london i moved to london myself so again woody just being an excellent director what i really like about jonathan reese Myers' portrayal of this character that he has a very outstanding accent a very unique accent is just RP enough to sound very intelligent and very um, high society, mm-hmm. but there is just something off about it where you know that's not really where it comes from. Yeah. And that's the same kind of vibe you get from the character all the way down to the dress code. Everybody was on point on this movie from the set design, the locations, the way the city is depicted. You really see this guy being a tennis coach interacting with these very rich, wealthy people And while in terms of his demeanor and his attitude and his intelligence, he sort of uh, matches with them, he never really quite fits in. There's just something different about him, something that makes him stand out. Now, the story really kicks into gear when one of his uh, trainees, one of his clients, invites him out to the opera because he himself is a big fan of classical music. And soon he gets deeper involved with the family, More specifically with his client's sister, played by Emily Mortimer, who I think if you ever watched the HBO show, The Newsroom, she was in there as the female lead. Yeah, I do remember. Yeah. Once again, a great local actress to the UK. Very good that Woody cast her. She shines in the role. She's what you expect. She's a nurtured girl. Very smart. Cute. Comes from a very protective family. The head of the family is played by Brian Cox, who was the villain in X-Men 2. So again, just one, <laughs> one excellent casting choice after the other. And we learned that she's quite fond of him. And that they're very wealthy. They're very well connected. And it seems to be a good opportunity for um, Jonathan's character, Chris, to really move forward in the world and make some good connections, even though he's very polite and modest about it. But what I really like about Woody's direction, that you can immediately tell that his character is not dumb. He knows that he found a good chance. And even though he acts very polite and very resilient to accept any offers and wants to make sure he's always there to pay for his own ticket and not take advantage of them, deep down inside, he knows he can take advantage of them and that this is a good opportunity. But then enter Scarlett Johansson as Nola Rice. And goddamn, I don't even know. You take it away because I'm just going to be gushing all over her character Right from the start. Not even just the way she looks, but just the amount of sexiness and intrigue that comes from her. And if you think <laughs> from the intro that, oh, he's going to mess it up. He's going to mess it up, right? Like Scar Johansson comes in. He can't say no. What is this about? I'm like, after the first scene where you see her, there's no way you can relate to this character. Everything is forgiven. Any mistake he could make is forgiven because there's just no way he could resist. And... That's not even half of the movie.
0: Yeah, I'll just jump in here, as you had a long um, explanation of the plot here. And again, I'm glad you didn't want to ruin it for anyone, even though if you look at the DVD cover, which I really love the cover, just the poster for the movie is sexy. You know, they call this a sexy fuller. And just like you said, I'm not going to over say what you said mostly about the cast, perfect casting, but uh, Jonathan Rhys-Meyers and Scarlett Johansson are phenomenal from what she you just She said.
1: steals the movie. I wanted to give a uh, want to give Jonathan Reese Myers props because pretty much after Scarlett Johansson enters the movie, despite being very young, she takes over. I mean she is the highlight of this film.
0: Uh yes and no. I would say that she is she's grateful. I'm not gonna say she's um I'm more with Jonathan Reese Myers because well, he's the lead. He's she's the lead. She's a supporting character. She's yeah. she's
1: big on the new release posters where you only see Jonathan Reese Myers in the background, just yeah. because she's Scarlett Johansson. She went on to have a huge career.
0: Let me let me say this: even though putting aside all the physical attributes of Scarlett Johansson, she is so gorgeous, so so riveting in the role. But she is not a dumbass. She is not a stupid, sex appeal woman. The first conversation they have is you know she she even admits that I think he even said something to her like you know the effects that men have on you he tries to hit on her from the jump and she's aware of it and Woody Allen's writing really does cater to he lets you know she she's aware of her sexualness and to be honest with you it even alludes a further conversation having the movie is where she even says that she's been the cause of other relationships going awry like guys always want me guys always think I'm something that you know, they should have and it doesn't end well for them. And she even says to him, the worst thing you could do is hit on me because it wouldn't go well for you. So I love the element she's aware of. Oh
1: yeah, and you you cannot downplay Woody's writing in this. I mean, the script is so tight. He manages to combine the trappings of this character piece along with, like you said, a thriller where there's sexual tension you don't know where things are going to go in terms of this relationship or this possible relationship. But also in previous films, like for instance, Hannah and Her Sisters, Woody took a, a romantic movie that's about relationships and cheating and, a, you know, marriage. And then when he came in with the more philosophical angle about life and meaninglessness or yeah, what in is the a very the comedic meaning, way, by the way. In a very comedic way, it, it, it felt inserted. It felt like, yep. oh, you're inserting this. Yep. Here, even though we started the movie with a lot of questions like what is luck? What is the point? Sometimes it's just down to dumb luck. How much of your life is out of control it is very subtle it is the central theme to the movie one of the early conversations they have uh, between you know the main central cast of characters which is uh, nola played by scarlett johansson chris then uh, both of her both of their relationships so chris is getting to know his client's sister and forming a relationship with her played by emily mortimer and scarlett johansson is the current fiance at this point uh, of tom Who's uh, Chris's client, played by uh, Matthew Gooch? Mm-hmm. Am I pronouncing that na- name right? I, I believe, believe so. so. Yeah. So there's already a weird uh, love quadruple angle there, yeah. Or I don't even know what, but there's a lot of intrigue. And I gotta say, the dialogue is spot on. One of the favorite, my favorite lines from the movie is that um, I think it's a quote from, I forgot, a quote from Nietzsche maybe? I'm not sure, but uh, doesn't really matter. The quote is, it's not as important to be born good that to be born lucky. Because luck is trumps, in many aspects, being good.
0: They, yeah, they were having that dinner party, that dinner conversation, and the promise was like, oh, this is getting too drab when he brought it up. But, you know, when they had that conversation, when he said that, I was wondering, I don't know how I felt about that. Because, again, luck is dangerous. And in this movie, luck is an element. But most of the things that are happening are choices, especially... Reese Withers character—it's a choice he makes, oh, yeah. and believe me, he pursues this this choice thoroughly. Let me go away from the plot and talk about Woody Allen for a minute, because I want to talk about um the reputation of this movie and why it rings such a bell. The thing that you said about this movie that I think really needs to be said—we've we've done this retrospective, and all of these movies have felt like Woody Allen movies—he's got his stamp there, he's got his whimsicalness, he's got yeah. a character. This movie does not have that. In fact. Because this movie is set in England, in London, it takes you out of the Woody Allen zone. To be honest with you, a lot of people don't know it's the Woody Allen movie. And I'm not surprised because you don't see him. You don't see his whimsicalness. You're not in New York. There's not an erotic character. But the core, this is the meat. This is, I'm not surprised Woody Allen is so, feels so accomplished with this script because unlike all of his other movies, and there's only one other where I felt like the stars aligned and everything came together, this movie is the it's all narrative. It's all meat. This is an all meat story, and there's not really a trace of the Woody Allen you know. It's just the story. It's just pure ice cream, and yeah. the, as soon as
1: people <laughs> watch it, <laughs> so you're d- d- describing a a full meal. There, it's pure meat. It's pure ice cream. It's everything. It's like it's just. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's uh, just straight to the point. Yeah. I, yeah, but I know what you mean. Like, it feels extremely inspired. Like, Woody was on point. And you mentioned England. I mean, he went into detail. This is the type of dialogue Tarantino always wants to write, where the characters feel very real. They feel like they're in a re- real world. They have real world conversations about topics they're interested but
0: in. But I, I, I will say, I will count on you on this. Even Woody Allen, when he's got his philosophical narrative, stuff like that, it even feels false sometimes. Yeah, even, that's even why like he. In that other movie yeah. we watched, um, the one with Christiana Ritchie and um, what's his name from American Pie, that guy. I can't Oh, remember his name right anything now. else? Yeah, that movie when they when the guy was talking about how we've used oh, love yeah. and they, it it seemed just like they were reading lines from Woody Allen. Exactly. This one, it feels like the characters. Very genuine. This yeah. is them talking.
1: Yeah, and that's what I'm saying because we know Woody likes tennis because he played it in several movies, but. When they talk about tennis players and their opinions, it feels extremely legit. You know, with Tarantino, he writes dialogue like that, but sometimes even he stumbles because the characters just start sounding like it was him. Like every character in the movie is Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Here, the characters remain very distinct. But when they have a conversation about opera, classical music, tennis, even the way city and the different areas of Chelsea and Sloan Square and South Kensington, where most of it takes place, it feels... Very genuine, very real. The whole movie, the way it's shot, even though it's a quote unquote, uh, I guess, romantic thriller or suspense thriller, it never feels like a, a movie from that perspective. It never feels like a made up story. A lot of uh, Woody Allen's stories feel very symbolic, like this is how, why relationships fail, this is why these things happen, this is why these things succeed. And while his opinions are a little over the movie about, you know, luck and pointlessness or aimlessness or what is really the how much can you really control your own life and what does it really matter it's all very subtle and what takes center stage is this very inspired narrative very inspired story written very well excellent dialogue excellently acted and also gotta say whatever he did in terms of getting this editor for this movie it worked really well a lot of his movies tend to drag in the last act, just because that's where a lot of things unfold. Here the movie moves like a bullet. It's like the editor knew exactly what Woody was going for and knew exactly what to keep and what to cut out. This
0: is not a this is not a short movie. This is a over two hour movie. And it feels very short. And know? let me ask you a question. I've seen this movie, this is my probably the sixth time in about fifteen years I've seen the movie. Do you know what rung out to me the first time? And let me tell you something, this is a true this is such a hard feat to cover as a movie and it can bring people down. Let me ask you something, if you think about the movie. Do you know how long the passage of time is in this movie? From where the movie starts and ends? Do you know how long it's,
1: it's gone through in the movie? Roughly 18 months, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's almost two years yeah. for a two and a half hour movie. And when movies do stuff, even uh, other Woody Allen movies, he kind of gives you these, these nods to let you know it's this season, it's that season. He doesn't bother to do that in this movie. But with the things going on, because the guy isn't married when the movie starts, he meets his woman, he's having an affair, he's other people going on. There's a lot happens in this movie. A, and a lot,
1: yeah, a lot happens. And all of it in, unfolds in front of you. I mean, yeah. when you see him, this guy has one bag that he puts down in, a, in an empty apartment. I mean, it's furnished, but like a brand new place he moves in.
0: But by the end, he's a family man. Yeah. I'm not trying to ruin it, but I'm no, just no, like. No, but, but, but yeah. by
1: the end. Or not the end, but the last act, yeah. when, uh, you know, the, the meat of the story happens yeah. or, or the main point. And by that point, he lives a completely different life. He's a completely different person.
0: And the reason why I bring up the passage of time is because, guys, think about some of the movies you've seen that cover this kind of time. There's only a few films that cover the passage of time in such a clean way. When you credit the editing, Woody Allen, I don't think he's ever done a movie that covers so much time. Not in a jokey way, not like love and death where so much these walls, all that stuff. It's very jokey. No, this is a very serious narrative that covers so much time and every single character develops. And this is where I'm gonna bring in crimes and misdemeanours. Because a lot of people always say that, oh, you know, people love this movie, but you know, crimes and misdemeanors has a similar, a similar feeling. I always knew that this was and most people feel like this is a superior version of an already done idea, which again Woody Allen does all the time. Now here's a there's a couple of things. That Woody Allen refines this movie that makes it shine above Crimes and Misdemeanors. And I'll give you one point that Scarlett Johansson, yeah.
1: No. Most definitely. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: a good point. And the fact, <laughs> actually, side point, since you brought it up, the fact the character's are younger makes it more relatable for a bigger audience. The oh, characters yeah. in Crimes and Misdemeanors are like
1: 60. Everybody, yeah. Woody Allen's one of the youngest yeah. guys in there. But the most
0: important thing about the movie, which you already hit on, about this movie versus Crimes and Misdemeanors, when you watch Crimes and Misdemeanors, That character, when the movie starts, he's already had the affair. He's already halfway through it. We're basically catching up with him during... You know, we didn't even see him meet this woman and all that stuff. When this movie starts, we start with this guy when he was an innocent character from nothing. And we're with him every single step of the way. We can relate to him because he's got nothing. He's working his way through. So we're completely self... We're with this character in the beginning. And every single step of the way, through his relationships, through his little you know, scandal, all of that.
1: To all his live decisions, yeah.
0: Yeah, we see it and we grow with him and we watch every single step and that's what makes it completely superior because it's cooked all the way through You with him the whole time. You can even understand how he gets to the point to make his reprehensible decision. Whereas in Crimes and Misdemeanors, we see him at the point where he's just about to make a decision and they kind of backtrack and you don't really feel for the female. You do feel for her because what he's doing is wrong. But here... You see it from his perspective. You see what he's done to her. You see so it's done, so done, many done to every
1: yeah. You see every character. You see what he's doing with Scott Johansson. What he's doing with his you know fiance wife at that point. Yeah. Even the, the entire family is involved, and that's why this movie shines as a character piece. Because Crimes and Misdemeanors is more of a situational movie. You have a a group of characters, and you follow them through a set period of time, and see you see where they begun, and and then you see where they ended but you don't see the complete story. It's more about just a central idea. And
0: you can't feel for the character because he's just got to make a decision. It's
1: more about a story of life there. And it was really just an idea.
0: Exactly. It was an idea.
1: Here, the idea became an actual story.
0: Exactly. Which we get to see from the beginning. Live the story. We live the story with this character. And let me tell you something, guys. Look, I'm a black British guy and this is upper class England. Why should I relate to the story? Why should I even care? The way Alan writes a story... With this, with this guy who doesn't know what he's doing with his life. That's the part I can relate to. As a man who doesn't know what he's doing with his future. And he pawns it to you. So I want to call him a sympath- a sympathetic character to begin with. But it's a relatable character. And as he goes through, even to the point where he makes his reprehensible act. You're like, I can see how he got to that conclusion. Yeah. And I'm going to get into a bit of a spoiler now. So guys, you already said that.
1: With that said, I just want to add that we mentioned all... The- These things like, it's very realistic. He's uh, It's very relatable. You understand where everybody's coming from, including the main character. But that doesn't mean that Woody shies away from depicting the realities of the situation. A lot of movies throw something in for the audience to feel a certain way, to lighten the mood. Like, you know, if somebody has an affair, you know, it's it's true love. It's, It's all about true love. You know, they have to have an affair. Or if somebody lies or does a nasty thing where it's like, in the next scene, they have to... You know, interact with a little kid to make sure he's a he's a good guy after all or something like that, and that's where Woody Allen's stubbornness comes in. That he he just goes straight for the jugular and says, "This is reality. People hurt each other. That's what happens. People lie and people cheat, and you can still accept it because it is real and it feels real and it feels like this." And he's could... Never
0: he's never really cooked the story this thoroughly. I mean, all these yeah. other stories I've seen, or the, even even my favorite Woody Allen movie. To be honest with you. That's what I liked about Another Woman because, again, that's a story where we're kind of thrown in the middle at the end of a relationship where it's just deteriorating. But we spend a lot of time with that character. We spend so much time that we really get to delve into her psyche. And this movie does the same thing. And because of that, it's absolutely phenomenal. Well, there's two more things I want to prattle on about. I hadn't seen the movie for a long time. So I was more focused on the murder aspect. I don't want to get into too many spoilers, but I was wondering, rewatching it, how well did he write this little murder house because this guy's got a plan this murder... And I have to say, man, it was truly... That element was so well done. So much better than Crimes and Misdemeanors because the main character...
1: Or uh, Manhattan Murder Mystery. Or don't, any don't, other don't, attempt don't, he had on Don't bring that up. Don't bring Your
0: it. favorite movie. Don't bring
1: that up. <laughs> <laughs> or any other crime movie he did. He always... No, he, number one. He plays around with crime, but not that much.
0: Number one, the main character's got to commit the murder himself. Number two, he gets messy. Someone else gets involved, which I didn't even remember. It's collateral damage and... Through that whole murder scene, he is a nervous. It's a long scene, it's about a 10 minute scene because he's
1: he and has it's, to trying it. It is real. I yeah. mean, the way you see it unfold, ton of mistakes, he's losing you know, his shit, yeah, yeah, he's dropping things. Shit. It's yeah. like nervousness, and it's played excellent. And It's amazing, it, and you don't even have to show dead bodies, but you still feel the brutality. Jonathan
0: Reese Myers, just his face, his presence. And I'm going to kind of wrap this bit up a bit more. Jonathan Reese Myers. One thing I never spoke about, which should go without saying, we touched on it, the chemistry, the sexual chemistry between him and Scarlett Johansson. This is close to an erotic thriller because the sex scenes that Scarlett Johansson and Jonathan rees might have is, is the most palpable sex scenes I've seen in all the other movies, and you never match that today. We're going to get to another sex with Scarlett Johansson movie where it got a bit sexual, but this one, every time they're together, they lust for each other. The first scene in the rain, other scenes were in the hotel... It is a fucking hot movie. I'm telling you, man. Scarlett Johansson, putting all the lust, all the jokey lust aside, just watching these two actors yearn for each other this much. Honestly, Woody Allen's never even reached that pinnacle of, of lovemaking. And and,
1: and, that's, yeah. and that's down to Scarlett Johansson as an actress. Because that too, yeah, Because you would think, oh, well, she's obviously super attractive, so you can have a bunch of uh, sexy shots of her like charlie stern in uh celebrity yeah but actually 90 percent of her scenes she's shot from extreme close up on her face like neck up yeah usually they're sitting in a cafe or they're having dinner you know they're at the opera or so- or whatever or she's on the phone you ver- very rarely get full body shots of her and even during the sex scenes usually it's like real sex it's not it's not a perfect photography or anything, you barely see any any detail because the two people are just on top of each other, you know, rolling around. Again, it's shot realistic. You don't have a perfect shot of her laying on the bed and lingerie looking extremely sexy. It's done very subtly and it only goes super erotic where it needs to go erotic. But Again, done very tastefully. So most of the sex appeal just comes from her.
0: There was more sex appeal in all, in yeah. all three fucking Fifty Shades of Grey movies. If you dare to watch them, this movie's got a hundred times more sex appeal than any of that smut. And Woody Allen, I don't, I never really saw him as that kind of director. He seems a bit too old for that, for in my per se. And obviously, just to make a joke, I couldn't see Woody Allen doing something like this himself you know, directing himself in a sexy <laughs> sex scene is, uh, with Scarlett Johansson or Charlie's that, father. That, that,
1: that, that would have been horrible. That yeah, would have been stuff
0: is, of our nightmares, right? That, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You,
1: do, you don't want to see Woody Allen shirtless. I, I'll tell you that. But. There'll be nothing
0: to see, really. <laughs> skin and bone. But <laughs> the wrapping this up, man. Look, I've been praising the movie to high heaven. I'm going to bring in a slight criticism on something I praise about the movie. I said there was no trace of Woody Allen in this movie of his normal qualms except for right at the end where he employs one of his most famous kind of scenes he's before the ghost
1: a, a, a little bit okay. yeah
0: when they reappear there's a, it's very Shakespearean the ghost come up to him talking about what he did and he he quotes Socrates saying that you know that scene fucked up though because he says something really fucked up like he sees her and he says you know it was hard but when the decision made when the decision came I pulled the trigger that's the I first could... thing he said he's like I did it but, but it that, was hard
1: though that's what I love about this movie that in any other film usually the studio hits the panic button and you get seven scenes redeeming the character. Yeah, right exactly. To, or, oh my God, what
0: have I done? Yeah. What have I done? Do, 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 do. Here,
1: it's brutally honest and doesn't make the situation any less relatable or understandable, even sympathetic to a point. But just because something's sympathetic, it doesn't mean it's still not wrong or it's still not... Harsh.
0: I brought out because that was the only scene that ran out of a Woody Allen trope. He brings, you know, uh, uh, yeah. Across. But there, there's a lot of subtle. It things, was man. Uh,
1: Yeah, but also sometimes the char- character uh, dresses like Woody Allen a bit with the shirts and the the pants, even True. the dress code. True. So there's a lot of subtle things. It's just the movie's so inspired that there really is no extra room to be filled in with Woody Allen typical ideas it just comes to life in the first scene and takes off from there.
0: Well, there's a second point I want to bring up that people did criticise, but to be honest with you, no. People, a lot of of people wanted this to be, they wanted wanted a Manhattan murder mystery element because, you know, when the cops find out and near the end of the movie, which I think is great, they practically get him as suspect number one. That's the funny, they're like,
1: you know what? And again, it's a terrific scene. That's where Woody's comedy even comes in because the way he becomes a suspect is just it's ingenious in its simplicity where it's like well i guess he could he
0: just didn't know there's something he didn't know yeah, Please, but like, it feels yeah. very natural it yeah, feels yeah, like oh, oh
1: of course and then you just you just can't help but laugh because you're just like and if the movie wow. ended
0: there it would have been fine i wouldn't even if the movie was like oh well you just didn't know you're fucked
1: yeah but th- th- what comes afterwards makes the movie even genius. Better, it yeah. really
0: does because after you know they the police get him he's at prime Sister number one this is where plot hole comes by the way which i'll get to later it comes back full circle to the first thing you see about the tennis ball in the thing.
1: It's a it's a double twist, which I love even more. Yeah,
0: because what happens is, and we're not you guys. You should see the movie. so I'm not going to explain. Yeah, it. yeah. He's see away the movie yeah.
1: and then come back. Yeah. Actually, you should have stopped ten, you know, five minutes ago. People,
0: most people have seen the movie that I listen to us now. But he's throwing away the jewelry that he took at the scene of the crime, and the last thing he throws out the ring it bounces off the balcony, like the little radio. The, the edge, yeah. And it comes back. So naturally, you might be thinking, oh shit, he thought he got rid of every piece of evidence. And that's going to... And that's uh, gonna Once again,
1: j- just like a game of tennis, it comes down to luck and he had bad luck. And it rings true when he meets his friend. That's another great part of the movie where his friend says, you know, you're a really good tennis player. If you would have only had luck in one of those, in a few of those games, you could have beaten the different. pros. Exactly, yeah, you could have yeah. beaten the pros. Like he's actually saying... You know, some of those games were just down to the ball bouncing a certain way. Yeah. It, was just, it was just luck that they won. And that could have changed your, your entire career. And then it happens again. Well,
0: the, the first thing I thought when I saw that, again, being a nitpicky piece of shit yeah. that you guys know I am, I was like, he was very meticulous when he got rid of all the stuff. Well, he but when, didn't he, when, see. He, when he threw away the stuff, he wasn't wearing gloves. His fingerprint...
1: Because he was throwing it in the river.
0: I know. But again, you know, you would think he would have wore gloves when he was throwing it away. It's a, it's, I'm, that's really being nitpicky.
1: But I think it, it helps because it helps the tension because at that point, where the movie's going... He's that a you, nervous wreck. He's and, not going and, to be perfect. And and uh, you think he's he's getting caught. Yeah. That's the thing. You, it's true. You, you see him and you kind of... You're oddly, in a way, rooting... You know he did something wrong and you kind of, you would feel justification or, or ju- a sense of justice if he would get caught. But for some reason, you're still like a little bit on the edge. Like, Can he get away with it? And... You see him throw away things, and you see him making mistakes, and you're like, "Oh wow, this is gonna be it." You're gonna mess up, and then comes the slow mo shot of the ring bouncing back, and you think, "That's it. He he's got caught. But They're actually, gonna catch him." That's what saved him. And that's the that's my favorite part of the movie. That the ironic thing is that because they think it's a drug crime, a burglary, the yeah. actual burglar who in the same area commits crimes up picks the up the ring
0: and took and, it. So that sealed him being, okay, it's definitely not him because we found a ring that was... On another perpetrator who committed
1: a similar crime. Therefore, he must have done both. And that's right after the movie, he admits in that ghost scene that the only way any of this would have had any meaning if there was... If if he got caught. He said it himself. If I would get caught, at least that would add a sense of justice and meaning to all of this. Or was it all for nothing?
0: There was one oversight in that whole thing that was I watched it twice so people cuz I I was like there's one thing that even if even though the other guy had the ring that would have still sealed his fate which he didn't bring up at all she was pregnant when he killed her they didn't mention anything about the autopsy her being pregnant because if they found that out regardless whoever found that ring they would have they would have been like this guy's got to be it
1: no 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 but but they they knew from the diary probably they never brought it up at all. That's what I'm like they kind of skipped out. Oh, that oh okay.
0: Maybe they never said maybe, that. Maybe, you know.
1: maybe, maybe a scene of the two detectives discussing that. One of them being the guy from *Trainspotting*. By the way, sure, sure. Yeah, uh, i blank on his name. If you
0: heard that though, you would never let it go. If you heard that he was pregnant, they all had motive just being a cheating, but knowing he had the baby as well, then this guy would have been public enemy number one no matter what.
1: Well, you can look at it both ways. You I know, can, but before you, that, you, you, let you me give l- you my
0: second piece of evidence because there's one more. This is the one I was like, they over, this is you think I can see, guys? I love this movie, but I'm gonna nitpick." And when they asked him, "Oh, they said you know the the murder weapon's a shotgun." The first thing he said was, "Yeah, my parents got shotguns on the ranch, but no, I don't no, 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 it. my
1: my my stepfather." Yeah, my yeah. stepfather. On the well, ranch. he again. I and think, they never investigated but at all. I think again that asks the film. I think that that he's nervous and he got caught in a lie. Because of the diary. So he doesn't want to lie again. He's like, okay, these guys are obviously smarter than I, I thought I know he they took a chance. He,
0: he put it all out there.
1: Because he thought if I say no, I I don't use guns, I don't have access to a yeah. gun and they're like, Oh, actually we we know that you and the family go hunting. Doesn't your stepfather have guns in his house? He would have been caught it's hiding an, in plain a, another sight. lie. It's not another him. lie. It's
0: not him that I'm criticizing, it's the police. Because they should still they but still should have uh, looked into it. I think that, I
1: think that's realistic. I think because it shows that the whole case is heading hanging on a thread. And at and at the end, the the lead detective actually has a has you know that was the
0: second Woody Allen moment where the guy walking me on like, oh
1: we guys it's definitely him. Yeah, he that he, was the Woody Allen out. moment.
0: That was a Woody Allen, you know, whimsical moment. And look, the reason why I'm bringing it up is just for fun. It's very I like the story the way it is. I don't want it to be any more reading. It was fine, believe me. That's all cop stuff. People wanted it to be more that that Would be more like Manhattan I don't give a shit about it, that's fine. I don't care. The way it is is absolutely perfect. The, the double, tw- there's not enough twists and turns. This it was not about that, it was about the guy reaching this decision, how he got there, and him more or less getting away because of life. That's fine. I don't, I'm just bringing it up just because of it's, it's not even a minor plot, hole. it is what it is. Like you said, look, man, this is a fantastic movie. The idea of crimes and misdemeanors expanded, remixed, done way better, what you should always do in art. Nothing's new under the sun, but it's even improved upon.
1: Even most of Burian's ideas about a lack of justice, lack of meaning, you know, lack of God, you know, what does that leave us in terms of our faith, you know, our fate, consequences to our actions. Is there any kind of higher sense of justice that comes in, or is everything pointless? You know, he crafted it so well in such a realistic narrative that it's all in there, but it's not overbearing. It just is what it is. And I'll let you finish because the only point I got left is that I really admire what Woody Allen has accomplished throughout his career building up to this movie because this guy started off in the exact opposite end of the spectrum of somebody who was constantly breaking the fourth wall, talking to the camera, trying all these crazy jokes, cameos from people, him transforming into a rabbi in different scenes. He had a movie where one of his enemies was a giant breast in like a horror movie parody. Squirt in milk. Yeah, he, he, that? he was always thinking outside of the box and trying to do all these crazy things and stuff that has never done before. To go the exact opposite direction and make a movie that tries so hard to be ultra realistic and is so precise in its writing, its character study, the costume, set design, location, cinematography, everything like a true perfectionist well crafted and put together in a super tight narrative in a super realistic way, but acted beautifully and just a very well told story. I'm like, wow, that is super impressive.
0: Yeah, it is. So it should go about saying by this time, Woody Allen's career, I'll tell you what you hadn't seen in a long time, an Oscar nomination, (laughs) (laughs) but luckily this time well deserved. He got nomination, not win. He got a nomination obviously for best script there was tons of golden goals that Scarlett Johansson, everyone got. Now the movie that won that year, because I had to look it up, I was like, "Oh, what be um, this movie for best scripted that year?" It was Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and um, it's a movie I, I love as well. And I do think when it comes to creative screenplays, is
1: that there's the Jim Carrey movie, the Jim
0: Carrey movie yeah. about the yeah. And in terms of creative screenplays, I can see why this I won it because just this movie is a little little bit more homegrown than what it's doing. That movie is a little bit more high concept. In what it's doing so I'm not nah, gonna
1: no okay well this movie's still better it's Sorry. a better
0: movie but I think it's a more creative script it's spot on
1: yeah well, get
0: a fro you when I joined okay well fuck you Simon anyway <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy that Woody Allen got the a nomination and um, if you look on IMDB this movie is actually not rated as highly as I thought looking at the scores it's definitely in the seven and eights but the reviews are glowing people do say this is Woody Allen's best movie period to date you know what I will say about this movie is the reason why it's special and what it shares in common with Annie Hall is that non, not only is it a great movie, and what I'm about to say is what really makes it great, this is a great movie, probably one of the greatest movies in its own genre. Like Annie Hall is one of the greatest romantic comedies of all time, and I think yeah. this is one of the greatest sex, erotic uh, thrillers this is definitely that one of the best ever written. In my well, That's my or, opinion. Or but
1: character study, crime movies. Or, or yeah. Actually, the movie is so tight. I mean, you can really call it whatever you want because there's all sorts of aspects to all of it, just like life. It's not black or white. It's all grey. So even and, and the defying story, a genre is hard.
0: And the story shines out more than the director. This story is so strong. that When people don't realise Woody Allen did the main movie, I don't blame them because... It doesn't have those nuances there. It doesn't have those traits that Woody Allen always puts there. But the story, his writing's there. If you know his writing, it's there. All his drama, all his angst, all his dark thoughts, it's all here with the actors. It's a combination of all the best of Woody Allen, but it just doesn't look like a Woody Allen movie. And it's a great movie. Guys, this is a movie, not only am I going to say one of the best Woody Allen movies, period, one of my favourite movies. And honestly, if you listen to this retrospective, and you know we're fans of Woody Allen, this is a movie, I'd say... If you're just a movie fan outside of Woody Allen, check out this movie. Because, honestly, it is a really good movie. It's a, it's a, if you're a cinema file, if you're a movie lover, movie goer, check out this movie. It's really great. And, again, watching this 2017, fresh watch, it ages so goddamn well. It actually makes a lot of Woody Allen's movies a lot worse in comparison. <laughs> but, yeah. you know what? This yeah. is the rebirth of Woody Allen. He kind of gets back on the wheel. People, oh, people fell in love with Woody Allen. This guy's not dead And he's still making great movies. So he really got a new wind. He was on his European tour, as we're about to see moving forward. And it it was a great revival. But I will say this for a record this movie is in a league of its own. And, you know, we're yet to see another thing like this from him. But honestly, he does touch upon greatness after this movie, touch. But this movie is so damn good. And, you know, in terms of Woody Allen movies ranking for me, definitely top three for me, top three. Easily. Nothing else to say?
1: Nah, I said all I needed to say. People, nothing left to say. Just watch it. Sure. You you need to experience it for yourself.
0: That's true. I know we gushed about the movie. I tried to nitpick and criticize, but they weren't criticism. They were just things I noticed with the plot. Watching it for the sixth time. But guys, that's long enough. What did you think of Matchpoint? Are you surprised that we loved it? It's a great movie, but we want to know what you think. Do you not like the movie? Do you think it's overhyped? Are you not going to bother? Is it something you just never got around to? Check it out. Let us know what you think. Share your opinion in the comments down below. Simon, on thank you for joining me on this one as always.
1: That's fine. Do you know what what the only nitpick I have? What's that? Not enough rain. This movie's set in London, and there's so much sunshine. I'm like, <laughs>
0: well, you say <laughs> that, but the first sex scene is in drenched rain.
1: <laughs> that scene is, and that scene, that, but that's the only time it's raining in London. I'm like, what the hell?
0: That's true. That's true. That's a good point. But you know, at least he, at least he had one. scene. If you didn't have any scene, i will be right there. But the one scene they had there. And by the way, fun fact, they said they hated that scene, doing that scene in the rain. Having that, It was very uncomfortable. and I It can was imagine. super difficult. Yeah, it's yeah,
1: because it's cold as hell.
0: Yeah, they said it was a very, very difficult scene to make on there. I can't wait for the Anna Page's guy to get us some more details on how this movie was made. Guys, if you don't know what I'm talking he, about, I'll put he a link would, in the screen. It was
1: probably in his backyard. He probably grew the corn. That's how he knows so much stuff. Well,
0: was, that guy's American, by the way.
1: Yeah, but maybe his family owns land or something. Just...
0: <laughs> anyway, guys, we're going to get the hell out of here. Thanks for subscribing to the podcast. If you like the discussion, give us a thumbs up. Give us a recommendation on iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast. And we're going to continue with a retrospective as we are now in the modern Woody Allen phase. And we'll see you on the next recording.